Hello and welcome to 2022, a new season, a new year, a new podcast episode of The Line in the Sand. Um, I'm Hamish and I'm joined again by Amos as we talk about all things AFL with a particular focus on the Essendon and Hawthorne football clubs. How are you this evening, Amos? Hey, Hamish. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm going well. Hamish, I just want to say that I'm absolutely flying this preseason. It's the best preseason I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Every, every every other football club, absolutely yeah. fine. So. Yeah, I've I've come in in this preseason, um, the fittest I've ever been. I didn't have any off season injuries or any um medical yeah. procedures that need to be done. I'm ready to go. No, no post season surgery for me. A couple of suspicious mm-hmm. jabs over Christmas, but uh, <laughs> and a few mm-hmm. uh, liquid injections. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, otherwise, um, no, flying this mm-hmm. preseason. So yeah, yeah, you haven't yeah. had a you haven't had a COVID interrupted preseason. Uh, no, no interruptions. So um, we're uh, we're going well. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I can't say that about the Essendon Football Club at the moment. Um, uh, Captain Dyson Heppel, he is flying this preseason. It's the first uninterrupted preseason he's had in a long time, and it's the first time he's been on the track this early with um, a lot of the other um, uh, other players. Given that the last few years he's been battling injuries and or had operations, but he was um he wasn't joined by as many of his teammates as he normally would have been today when they um came back out on the track um seems a few of the players and staff might have either contracted covid or been close contacts of covid cases uh, at michael hurley's wedding over the christmas break oh really <laughs> of all the places hey um well there goes the finals tilt mate i'm sorry pre-season's ruined mm-hmm. you might scrape into the eight now but um Add another 365 days onto that number that we're pushing for. Uh, Hashtag 7,000 is getting better and better. Uh, I don't know about that. I think, <laughs> you know, it, the teams that manage their COVID outbreaks the best are the ones that are going to um, get through this season. And I think, um, you know, it's the best, look, it's a, to be honest, it's the best time to get it. If you're going to get it, get it at the start of the season, get it out of the way. Um, you know, players can isolate and have some level of fitness. Um, you know, he's yeah. you know you take it on face value, but Dyson said in his interview that they're all relatively, you know, they had a couple of days of um, the sniffles, but they're all relatively fit and healthy. So I'm sure they're all doing their training at home. But it certainly um, is going to make for an interesting season, given that um, we've seen in the Big Bash and the A League that um, games are have been rescheduled on a whim and moved around and. We've seen it in the AFL over the last couple of years. Are we going to have another interrupted schedule this year with the um, Omicron variant? Or do you think it's going to have changed enough by the time the season starts that we're going to get through? I think uh, the early rounds are going to be particularly tricky, I reckon. Um, Just because uh, WA say they're opening up on February the 5th, there's uh, no reason why Mr McGowan won't make that February 5, 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think with Omicron, uh, even though uh, some of the experts are saying it's a very sharp uh, peak with a very sharp decline, uh, who knows just how long the tail is going to be with this. So um, I think the preseason is probably looking a bit more in jeopardy um, than Otherwise, would have thought. I suspect some of the non-Victorian clubs will play each other two or three times potentially, mm. rather than travelling 
uh, and taking that risk just for a, a pre-season game. So some of that might be rescheduled. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the season proper. If yeah. uh, a team you know falls the same way as uh, the Melbourne Stars or the Brisbane Heat in the Big Bash, where virtually you know they've had the whole sides wiped out, um, you know, will there be top-up players? Will they just have to reschedule the game? Will they forfeit? Yeah, you know, be interesting to see what happens. Mm. So, yes, I'm sure there are backup plans upon backup plans being worked upon as we speak. Mm, uh, yes, I'm sure there are. Yes, I'm sure you're right in that um, the commission, they will be, as much as they wouldn't have wanted to think about these things, they will be thinking about them again and um, making their contingency plans going forward. Um, anything to comment on Hawthorne's pre-season? What's been happening there? Uh, no, no major news out of Hawthorne over the pre-season, apart from Chad Wingard's hair. Um, mm-hmm. Seems to have changed colour dramatically and he's now gone with the peroxide blonde uh, outlook for summer, mm-hmm. uh, which contrasts nicely with his uh, uh, lovely tan and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So swarthy good looks. Um, so after consultation with a good friend of mine, uh, we came to the conclusion that he was uh, gunning for the Brownlow this year. No, so, uh, he want, so he wants the umpires to notice him. That's that's what he, what he's going yeah. for. Correct, and uh, you know, and I think it was mm-hmm. the could have been way back in the eighties who may have even. Uh, Saying the uh, the line that uh, peroxide tips will get you noticed. Yeah, and uh, there's no doubt that uh, he'll be noticed if he maintains yeah. that coloration. You think he's also making a point to the football department that tried to get rid of him at the end of last season that he's still youthful and he's still got plenty of football left in him <laughs> by um, bleaching his hair and pretending to be ten years younger. Look, I would have gone down that path if he only bleached his fringe, mm-hmm. but not the whole lot. But okay. uh, yes. I just uh, I remember a picture of one of, of my older brother back in the late 80s with a, a bleached blonde fr- fringe mm-hmm. and uh, the rest of uh, the hair and I saw dark chocolate brown. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it wasn't a good look back then and I can't imagine it's any better now. So, <laughs> But it's got to be better than some of the mullets getting around, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes. So, yeah, that's the only news out of uh, Hawthorne at the moment. No major mm-hmm. injuries. Everyone seems to be on the track. Uh, I think the biggest excitement really is that, uh, yeah, and we joked before about everyone flying and having the best preseason yeah. ever, but uh, it seems legitimately that uh, James Sicily is up and about and raring to go, uh, and he'll be a very welcome addition to the uh, half-back line this year. Yeah, yes, he's been out for a while. It'll be good to see him back and playing at his best, as long as he doesn't do that against Essendon. Well, we're hoping that he does. <laughs> twice, I believe. Is it yes, twice? No, it might yes. only be once this year. Mm. I can't remember. Mm. So even though we did an in-depth fixture episode about three weeks ago, a lot has happened since then. Yes. Yeah. So. Now on to the main topic of tonight's um, podcast episode. We're going to take a we're going to take a walk down memory lane and look back on four uh, AFL game, well VFL AFL games that. Um, occurred over the last few decades that um, have interesting backstories and interesting events that happened. Um, some of them were weather events. Some of them um, involved electricity faults. Uh, just um, have a look back at them and um, remember them fondly and have a bit of a chat about them. We're going to start back in round 11, 1993. Uh, the Saints versus the Bears. They were still the Bears then. Um, and Probably one of the main reasons that this ground will always be referred to as Arctic Park, uh, the Waverley Hailstorm game. What do you remember about this game, Amos? 
I just remember seeing the uh, the news clips on, you know, and the might have even been the footy replay back then uh, of uh, virtually not being able to see anything on the screen, uh, just massive hailstones. Uh, Brisbane and St Kilda out at Waverley Park, or the affectionately termed Arctic Park. Uh, June 11, I think it was, 1993. June, known to be cold in Melbourne, but not necessarily stormy and certainly not hailstorm worth. Uh, but uh, I just remember, yeah, it's basically the, the footage that we see on, on YouTube and things like that. But, um, yeah, virtually the whole ground was white. It was like watching a, a European soccer game in, mm. in the snow, basically. Um, I think it was Paul Pios for uh, Brisbane, that Brisbane legend, um, who uh, was having a shot for goal, having to shield his eyes or shield his head from the yeah. hailstones raining mm. down upon him. Um, amazingly, they didn't go off the ground at all. Yeah, um, no, I'm shocked they continue going. playing, yes. Um, Robert Walls uh, perhaps... Uh, influenced Alistair Clarkson in later years, and we'll touch on this later on, but mm-hmm. uh, didn't allow any of his players to wear long sleeve tops. They all had to wear short sleeves. Yeah. Um, and uh, amazingly, in weather conditions uh, that were highly inclement, uh, there was almost 200 points kicked for the game, secured a one by 55, mm-hmm. uh, and Tony Lockett kicked 11. Yeah, Winmar kicked four. Yeah, yeah, which uh, in a, in a, in weather conditions like that, four goals is awesome, let alone mm. uh, eleven. Yeah. So, um, yeah. and uh, it would have been a rough uh, initiation into uh, AFL footy for one Nathan Buckley, who uh, ventured from Northern Territory via Adelaide to Brisbane, only to play out at Waverley in those. Mm. So. Managed to get himself twenty five possessions and had a great game there. Um, mm. I'd, I'd say you know that's probably a forty possession game in. Um, you know, better conditions and um, not being able to see and not get hit in the head with hail every second. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So um, I think you, you, you're probably right there. And I think Marcus Ashcroft also got pretty high on the position count. Mm. But uh, yeah, I don't know how many times you went out to Waverley as a kid, but uh, certainly I can remember numerous occasions where it was Arctic. Mm. Um, but fortunately, I've never been there in those conditions. So yeah. Yes, I can't say I was there that day or any day that was that bad. But yes, it was. It certainly wasn't my favourite ground to go to. Well, oh. for two, two reasons. Yep, the weather. It was always cold there, but also it was the furthest that um, I would have to travel mm. to get to from where I live across town. And um, yes, I'm 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 much happier um, in in my comfort at um, Marvel <laughs> Stadium now as an Essendon supporter, or behind the glass in the MCC having a couple of beers. Yeah. Yeah, and now, I mean, these were the days in Melbourne before any of the uh, the ring roads were really prevalent. Hmm. Uh, so it was across town on, on roads with traffic lights and footy traffic and a massive paddock for a car park, which uh, you weren't, you hadn't hmm. been to Waverley in your life if you didn't lose your car at the car park <laughs> at Waverley. Yeah. <laughs> so, hmm. um, but no, I mainly remember out of that game was watching it on TV later that night because, of course, yeah. no games were live back then. Um, you know, just going, wow. Who could play this? Mm. It's amazing. So, yes. But we probably should point out, Hamish, the genesis of this topic is really uh, the freak storm that we experienced on Mel- in Melbourne on uh, Friday night. Yes. Uh, a couple of nights ago where uh, well, you bravely ventured out for dinner and almost got washed away. So, Yes, yes. We were um, out for dinner on Ligon Street thinking, oh, yeah, it'll be all right. The rain's supposed to be coming later. Five minutes later, the rain's coming in sideways as we're trying to eat out on the street on um 
on Ligod Street. So that was a that was a bit of fun. But yes, that was the genesis for this conversation. But you know, it's a conversation that's worth having and worth reminiscing mm. about some of these games. Yeah, well, I just remember being annoyed because I was driving home from somewhere at uh, ABC, as they do with emergency updates, cutting into the cricket, mm. and uh, said so we've got an emergency storm warning for Geelong with a you know, massive hailstones predicted and get inside and, and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, well, who cares? It's Geelong. Come on. Yeah. And uh, get back to the cricket. Hello um, to all our listeners from Geelong. <laughs> correct. <laughs> um, and then uh, you know, a couple of hours later, uh, we had the kids uh, pretty much shit their pants because there was a massive uh, lightning strike mm. just near our place. And then uh, the rain came in torrents. Yeah. So. Um, yes, I so say, if, yeah. if I remember correctly, there was something like um, 70 or 80 plus incidents reported in queue. Um, so you must have had a fair bit more rain than um, other parts of the um, Metro Melbourne or just coming in the yeah. wrong way. Who knows? But yes, oh, I don't, I may, I don't, yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe uh, those of us uh, who live in queue are not quite as good with our hands because we you know, <laughs> tend to rely on everyone else to do that sort of stuff. I yeah. don't know. But, uh, mm. <laughs> the um, I'm reliably informed, actually, that uh, the lightning uh, struck uh, a crane, which is uh, at the top of our street on a building site. Right. Uh, so about 250 metres away from us, and uh, it made the loudest clap I've ever heard. Mm. Uh, and as I said, the kids uh, crapped themselves. and But that was it. There was no other thunder. Mm. So, but, but, And um, it was it was over yeah. almost as fast as it started as well. Yeah, 10 minutes. So mm. typical Melbourne... Uh, summer's yeah. day really mm-hmm. so yeah. so if you've been to north queensland and, and the storms that come through in the afternoon there in cairns mm. and those sort of places it was, it was reminiscent of that yeah it's uh just a bit more freaky because melbourne's not really known for it we're not used to it no no so yeah. speaking heads, now, out, heads out weather yeah. related discussions mm, well the, the next one's not quite so weather related and certainly wasn't over in 10 minutes and created a lot of conversations um around uh the commission headquarters uh June 11, 1996, the day the lights went out at Waverley in the Saints versus Essendon game. Mm. Now, I, I can mm. go on. I'll say I, I wasn't actually at this game. I do know a few people that were. And um, I think, yeah, well, Amos is putting his hand up on the Zoom meeting, so I'll let him have his conversation there as well. But I did like um, the, the then Essendon captain, Gary O'Donnell's reflection and describing the aftermath as reminiscent of Lord of the Flies because I think um, given what happened in the stands and on the ground after the lights went out, yes, the fans did go a bit feral. Oh, yeah. Well, I was at this game um, with my best mate uh, who's a Saints fan and, and his, older, his older brother. So we would have been 13, going on 14. Mm-hmm. And uh, coincidentally, we both had broken arms. Right. <laughs> Me with my left arm, him with his right arm. Um, and uh, anyway, so we were there keeping out of mischief because, you know, uh, broken arms don't lend itself to too much anarchy. But mm-hmm. uh, um, so, yeah, I remember we were behind the goals at the uh, uh, scoreboard end. And as everyone else reflected, all of a sudden it went dark. Mm-hmm. And no one knew what was going on for about half an hour. And all of a sudden people stormed onto the ground and there were fires being lit, goalposts uprooted. Mm. And like you say, Gary O'Donnell's take on the uh, the Lord of the Flies was a pretty good one, actually. So, yeah. but um, no, it was amazing, really. I mean, we uh, parked uh, a fair way from the ground, to be honest. I think it would have been uh, 
just over Jackson's Road, which for people who don't really know Waverley Park is probably a good kilometre away and 800 metres of that would be car park. Um, mm. And it was weird trying to walk through the car park with no lights either because uh, if I remember rightly, I think it was a car accident that had knocked out no, one of that, the major, yeah, major that's, power. That's what they thought it was and that's mm. what they announced it was on the night. But they, did, they found yeah. out later that it was... I mean, it was a, obviously a major electrical fault because it put there, it pushed out the um, the backup generators as well, but there wasn't actually that car accident. Uh, okay. yeah. in some, somewhere in the electrical network there that caused it yeah. to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but no, it was just a very strange yeah. evening. Um, made all the stranger by the fact that they had to come back three nights later and finish the job. Yes, and that's... Um, that's the probably the more in, yes the um the ferals on the ground but the more interesting part of the um this game I suppose is the aftermath yes like you said they um came back a few days later because they didn't know um they they hadn't experienced this before they oh. didn't know um what to do um they couldn't really replay the game because they um you know it wasn't something that even occurred to the AFL that you might have to reschedule games and replay games and do things at yeah. different and, and- times. And how do you replay a game that's 22 minutes into the third quarter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you played so most of the game there. three yeah. quarters over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, the option was to, you know, split the premiership points, give them four points each. Yeah. Um, or give it to the Bombers who were in front. But yeah. somehow they came up with the two by 12 minute halves um, and played it a few nights later. Yeah, and, Tuesday uh, night, I believe. Yep. Yeah. And this is... Um, my biggest criticism of, um, and I think this is where James Heard um, um, gets his um, anger towards the umpires from. This is just my my thoughts on this because he didn't play on the Saturday. He didn't play on the no. Saturday night, but he was picked on the Tuesday night. Yeah, and um, they did say that if you played on the Tuesday night, you were still eligible for Brownlow votes. <laughs> he dominated on the Tuesday night in that 24 <laughs> minutes, should have got a vote, didn't, so ended up drawing with Michael oh, Voss instead of winning in his own right um, come the end of the season. It's oh, an outrage. Well, let, let's be honest. Mm. There should have been no changes. There should have been the two teams lining up as they were. Uh, maybe, and I can't remember, maybe due consideration if someone had had a game-ending injury. Mm. But equally, uh, I couldn't believe I, remember, I couldn't believe it at the time, and I still can't believe it now that they were allowed to bring in players. And the fact that Essendon were able to bring in someone of the calibre of James Hurd mm. uh, is just ridiculous. But they However, allowed him, yeah. Mm. It does make for an interesting trivia question as to who made their debut on the Tuesday night. In the second half, shall we say. Yeah, no, I can't remember. Who was that again? Justin Blumfield. Yes, yes, yes. I do remember so that now. Yeah. He's got a story forevermore. Yeah. He earned himself 500 bucks at a sporty every time. <laughs> Telling people that story. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they managed to get, um, they managed to still get, you know, nearly 20,000 people there on the Tuesday night for 24 minutes of football. So there's oh, obviously Which a is amazing of, given yeah. it's uh, the middle of, well, the beginning of winter, mm. uh, a long weekend's either just finished or coming up. Mm. I think this is the first of that sort of time in June. Yeah. Um, and let's yeah. face it, back then, Waverley was the middle of nowhere. It wasn't sort yeah. of the middle of suburbia like it That's is right. now as the development's gone out that way. Correct. I mean, there's still no major public transport infrastructure out there mm. 30 years later. It's not as if you can get there by the train or anything like yeah. that. So, 
uh, Tuesday night. It's a pretty healthy turnout. The AFL would have been pretty happy with that. Yeah. Do you remember? Is there, I haven't read anywhere in the reports if they just threw the doors open or if you had to pay or I can't remember. But um, yeah. Yeah. So mm. um, yeah, but really it was interesting being there. I'll yeah. give you that because it was just one of those very weird nights where you look at your people you're going with and going, well, what do we do now? Mm. And as I said, some people took it upon themselves to stream so out onto the ground. Go a bit feral. Yeah. A bit feral, which clearly was the Bombers fans. Um, oh, look, if you look at the photos, <laughs> there's as many St Kilda jumpers as there are Bobber jumpers, but I'm not going to oh, pretend but, like they, there weren't any Bombers fans that were amongst um, the um, the mischief making. I'm sure there was a couple of Collingwood and Richmond and Hawthorne jumpers out there as well, if you really Probably, yes. hard enough. But, mm. um, and, you know, it was, it was just very strange. Like I said, the strangest part for me was walking back to the car uh, in complete darkness. Mm. Like, and other people do it the same. So it wasn't as if you're alone and you felt unsafe or anything, but, mm. yeah, the Waverley car park was a paddock. Yeah. And it was literally a paddock, like you had potholes all over the place. So every chance of turning an ankle or whatever. Uh, yeah, so very yeah. strange. Yeah, and it's not like you had a smartphone in 1996 where you could just <laughs> turn the camera flash on and use it as a torch. No, or yeah, you mm. find my car or whatever you want to do yeah. with your apps and things like that you can do these days, exactly. Mm. So uh, it was still the old uh, coat hanger if you locked your keys in your car and, and all mm. that sort of trick. So yeah, yeah just a very, very interesting night. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in terms of the results the following week, given that they had to play on the Tuesday night, um, and St Kilda couldn't get across the line and Essendon just fell across the line against Fremantle to win by a point. So um, mm. I guess um, we'll never see the gaps quite as short as um, <laughs> they they had, were then and um, managing the season a bit differently going forward. But um, nah. Well, I think, I mean, the mm. Bombers were pretty good that year too. I mean, he yeah. only just lost a prelim, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, and St Kilda were on the up under Stan Elves, obviously, 97 the next year mm. they uh, made the grand final. So it was, um, you yeah, know, probably not unexpected, but, uh, mm. yeah, interesting times. But I think I read a quote just around this off was uh, one of the St Kilda players, him, I mean, Matthew Young, St Kilda, redhead player, um, who just said, well, we all loved it because we didn't have to do any training that week. So we were pretty, <laughs> pretty happy with it. Yeah. So it's, uh, maybe that attitude is why they lost the next week. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they should have <laughs> been out on the training track a bit more, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. next next we move to August 27th, 1999, the Richmond versus Carlton game, more remembered for the massive scoreboard fire. Yeah, this was quite amazing. Hmm. Uh, I, you know, we all go to the footy and we all hear the announcements about uh, evacuating yeah. Following the, you know, people unlikely the whole ground would be evacuated, blah, blah, blah. But uh, you never think you're going to be evacuated onto mm. the playing surface. Yeah. Which is what happened when the uh, Ponsford Stand scoreboard went up in flames. Yes, I, I wasn't at the game, but I did watch it on television that night. I remember watching it live and then the commentators incredulously... Um, Starting to talk about the the flame, the small flames coming out that suddenly turn into twenty meter high flames going, yeah, um, well up into the sky. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Amazing, yeah. amazing photos. And mm-hmm. I remember one photo. I think see it online. There's uh, the time on the MCG clock, the digital clock at the bottom of the scoreboard was uh, seven thirty four. Mm-hmm. If you turn it upside down, it yeah spells hell. <laughs> and uh, and mm-hmm. um, but yeah, just. I think yeah, I think this was weather related. I think it'd been 
bucketing with rain and mm. the electrical fault was caused by um, you know flooding in the bottom of the scoreboard from yeah. memory so mm. uh, yeah melbourne in early spring late winter can be quite wet yes and uh yeah uh, four million dollars damage done to the scoreboard uh, and operating at uh, less than half capacity, I believe, for the finals that year. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, an amazing scene and uh, probably helped Richmond cause an upset. Yeah. Fun fact, when they um, redeveloped the Ponsford stand, they actually packed up that um, that um, big screen and sent it over to India and it was installed, I believe, in Chennai. Yes, I can add to your fun fact and say yeah. that when I was in Chennai in 2004, uh, watching Australia play India uh, in the cricket. I was at that ground at the Chidambaram Stadium in Chipok. Mm-hmm. And uh, I turned to my mate and said, they use the same scoreboard as the MCG. And lo and behold, we did a bit of digging while we were at the ground. And sure enough, it was exactly it was the, the same. Yep. <laughs> and the only thing that tipped me off was it was the same um, formatting on the screen, you know, for the score mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff was exactly the same. I'm like, hang on, that yeah. looks like the MCG. Sure yeah. enough. So it's gone from uh, Melbourne Cricket Club to Madras Cricket Club. Yes. And, um, yes, one of the stranger stadia mm-hmm. in the world. Yep. And as, as you mentioned, uh, it was a Richmond upset that night, given that they ended up, they won by 11 points, given that they ended up finishing the season in 12th. And we don't want to talk about what Carlton did in the 1999 um, preliminary final. That's still, um, you know, it gives me chills every time I think about it. Field the Blues to sort of say, well, we lost to Richmond, who were one of their rivals, mm. along with Collingwood and Essendon at the time. Uh, but So we can't lose to any more of them. So maybe that mm. was what got them over the line in the prelim. Who knows? Yes, but, you know, it certainly gifted a grand final to um, anyone but Carlton that year because they didn't deserve to be there, let's face it. Well, it did cost uh, the neutral fan uh, possibly what would have been the grand final of the 90s, really. Yes, yeah, North Melbourne Essendon, clearly the two best teams mm. at that time. So, but got to be good enough to get there. Yeah, and Essendon wasn't on the day. That's true. Yeah, too good the next year, which was even more galling. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, the final game we're going to discuss this evening. Um, this game, another fascinating thing to watch on television. Just seeing the um, the snow come down. So. The 9th of August, 2019, Hawks first GWS when it snowed at Monica Oval in Canberra. Yes, and I, I will point out that uh, it was Hamish who put this on the menu. I never thought of this as a potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you're right. It was very strange. We'd seen uh, Hawthorne's media department uh, sending crazy pictures of Clarko stripping off and running around Monica Oval and his jocks. Uh, and a couple of the players doing the same in three degrees on the afternoon mm-hmm. uh, prior to the game when they arrived in Canberra. You know, obviously trying to ham it up and have a bit of fun and uh, try and relax everybody about uh, it's not going to be so bad playing in Arctic conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, but evidently it worked because they came out and spanked uh, GWS who went on to make the grand final that year. So uh, I think we held them to their lowest ever score perhaps before Richmond might have done it in the grand final later on. Mm-hmm. That year. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, very interesting. I just remember watching on TV. Uh, we had a newborn or six-month-old, I suppose she was at the time, yep. uh, cradling her out my arms going, God, thank God, we never took her to the <laughs> at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah. and uh, uh, and uh, just thinking, poor Daisy Pierce, who's been shoved out by Channel Seven to do the boundary mm. riding on that kind of night. Yes, and uh, yes, uh, we've frozen the proverbial stuff. I reckon. Yes, um, I think you're right that um, it was the lowest score until grand final day i think actually up until that grand final that year it was um hawthorne in the same season had kept um, gws to their two lowest scores in their history until yet yeah, that grand final score where they only scored 25 so yeah um, but they certainly didn't like playing in the snow but i think what fascinated me about this game is what you touched on earlier about you know clarko not liking his players to wear the long sleeves but given the um, the extreme measures they had to go to to try and stay warm, given it barely got above zero, if it did at all, yeah, um, they were they had elect they had electric blankets plugged in, basically <laughs> that the players would try to rug up in. Yeah, they were drinking cups of tea to that, rehydrate right. and stay warm, and um, I, yeah, they just had buckets of hot water that they were dipping their hands in to try and make sure they didn't get hypothermia. Yeah, uh, you're right. And, yeah, it was amazing circumstances, really. But it does make you think, too. I mean, the Canberra Raiders play presumably every second week in Canberra mm-hmm. uh, during winter, uh, as do the Brumbies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we never really hear too much of whether they've had to play in adverse conditions like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and um, they play their you know, rugby league and, and union play their fair share of night games. Yeah. So surely can't be the first time Canberra's dished that up, uh, given its uh, geographic location, um, for for major. Uh, if we call those two sports major sports, how Harry gets that on me to say yeah. that. <laughs> but you know, if we if we, um, yeah, for national sporting competition, surely that's um, happened before. But uh, to see it in the AFL, it's probably yeah. a bit unexpected. Oh yeah, it wouldn't surprise me um, if, it, like you said, it's happened in the NRL or other sports playing out of areas similar to Canberra. I know for a fact it's happened at local level football games and things like that when you get into some of the country oh, areas yeah. that are up in the mountains and stuff. But um, yeah. it, they it, they did um, say at the time in the media that um, it's the first known example of a VFL-AFL game that happened in snow. Um, mm. It's certainly not something that they're used to. It's not like, um, you know, some of the NFL games you see over in the USA where they're... Um, they're used to playing in the snow and they have all the equipment there um, to keep the players warm while they're on the sideline. It was certainly something different um, to expect here. And I I wonder whether it's had an impact on when games are scheduled at Monica Oval since then too. I think there might be a night game there this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd have to look it up. Um, I remember thinking when I saw the fixture come out last year, that's odd given what they experienced a couple of years ago, but um, yeah. So I think uh, it might be the demons in the gun this time mm-hmm. around. But um, I can tell you, Hamish, playing football in the snow is—it's I wouldn't call it fun. Yeah, it's unique uh, and certainly freezing, yeah. uh, especially if you're on the bench, like I used to find myself <laughs> playing times playing football. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, no, we played a school football game up at uh, St Joseph's College in Frenchy Gully one afternoon, and mm. uh, it snowed. I think just after half time. Yeah, and uh, by geez, it was cold. Um, yeah. And yeah, certainly my brother, who played country footy in, in Ballarat for many a year, uh, has played in, in similar conditions. And mm. yeah, see him come off uh, teeth chattering and you know blue yeah. almost. Mm. Um, 
a couple of times. So, yeah. yeah I just I just did a quick Google while you were um, talking. There there are four games in Canberra this year, but the uh, two of them have scheduled dates. Um, ah, yeah. And the night game is in April, so it'll okay. have to be a fairly severe <laughs> weather anomaly, even in Canberra, for it to be snowing in April. No, well, that, that probably makes more sense just because uh, they haven't scheduled anything past about round nine, have they? Mm. In terms of game times yeah. and and uh, stuff like that, so that makes sense. Yes, mm. but um, no, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with that next year. Mm. So, I, and just something I forgot uh, to mention while we're talking about the. Uh, Essendon St Kilda game out at Waverley that the lights went out is that uh, I read in an article today that it was the first game that was exclusively on pay TV. Okay. Uh, on Optus uh, Vision as it was yeah. back then, uh, the Murdoch uh, pay TV arm, I believe. And um, so you think an event like that, yeah, it got heaps of traction, obviously, because it was so weird and wonderful, uh, but was not on free to air television like it would normally be. In on Channel 7. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I'm going to assume they wouldn't allow it to broadcast the Tuesday night on Channel 7 because just had the exclusivity. The right it. to that game, yeah. Yeah. So um, of all games where no one gets to watch it mm. um, <laughs> because uh, 10 people had up the sport back then, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. So there you go. Bit of a tidbit for you. But uh, yeah, certainly around. Oh, and sorry again, another anecdote on the Hawthorne GWS game in Canberra. Uh, it was uh, CJ uh, Giath's debut, mm-hmm. and Alistair Clarkson did make a big point of sort of saying, "Well, you can imagine a, a kid coming from uh, Sudan, yeah, debuting in the snow in Canberra." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so that would, uh, yeah, be quite the the wake up call. Just a little bit different. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, there you go. So uh, a few weather events, just because of the Melbourne weather event we had the other day. Yes, and I think we've hit the ground flying tonight, Amos. I think that's um, it's we've just you know come out of the training track and we're we're flying. We're we're in for a big season, I think. Uh look, we're in for a massive season until until games roll around it. Uh, I'm sure a hamstring or two will be pulled <laughs> <at> that's, <laughs> as we ramp yes. up the intensity. So hmm. yes, but uh, no, I think uh, you know. A nice light, light one to start yeah. off with this week, and we'll have to, uh, mm-hmm. to uh, work out how we get through January and February. We might uh, we might do a special episode on uh, Pat Cash and the Poo yeah. and their ties to AFL football next week, maybe with the tennis coming around. Yes, so, well, you know, there's all, there was always opportunities for tie-ins and looking for things there, but um, our listeners will just have to make sure that they've subscribed by whatever channel they're listening to. They'll have yes. to, you know... If if they if they're nice, they could leave us a positive review and make sure they share it with their friends. But five stars uh, only, please. Five stars only, absolutely. But until next time, have a great night. Enjoy everybody. Chat soon.